All right, everybody, listen up. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. The whaler is reopening, and we have 24 hours to take care of 10 years of dust. John, I need you to dust off all the chandeliers in the lobby. As we know, the ship is not leaving. Saturation's here. Early people, there's far too many people coming that are going to be displaced by this. They all need a place to stay. Sam, air out all the guest rooms. They smell like death. Make sure all the clawfoot tubs are scrubbed and cleaned, and don't forget to check the plumbing. All right, team. I'm going to head up to Usher's Quarters. They're the most important room in the hotel. Once you're all done, you all reconvene there. I need it to be perfect. Mary, you're in charge there. Take care that the grand piano is dusted and the nautical map is cleaned carefully. And don't forget to polish out the red stains on the floor. Now, what's all this talk about the fifth floor? I don't frankly understand. We're doing one through three, four, and then six? Come on. I'm gonna head over to the fifth floor, check it out, make sure we can get this done. Everybody else, get to work. Um, Esper, you awake? Yeah. Yeah, I'm awake. Esper, we're gonna be docked in a few minutes here. You gotta pick up your possessions. We don't have time. We have somewhere to be. Chop, chop. Come on. Did you find that other doctor that I asked you about the other day? Uh, Dr. Neville something or other. You gotta see Dr. Faust first. Look, Esper, it's the rules. I'm here to escort you to that doctor, and whatever happens after that, it's up to him. Yeah. All right. Esper will slog herself out of the bed that she'd been resting in, pull up her shirt as it's been drooping a little bit off her shoulder, look around, grab a pack, the one that held a now mostly diminished storage of soft ether supplies, a few other minuscule things. It's not like they came into here with much and uh, they'll exit the room. Look immediately up to Augie. I met the one aboard the ship. Glass. Who's that? Oh, oh. Old lady. Not too old, but old. Alright. She's a doctor. Is that what you got up to while you were getting noticed by other people on the ship? If there's any place that's good for me to be, it might as well be in the presence of a doctor, am I right? Not your doctor, I'm afraid. Whoever this is. And as he says that, you see Mr. Felix walk by the hallway on his way out of the ship, along with one other, the man you saw in his room. He walks by you and over to the door, open on the side of the ship. A gangplank has been raised to a second level mooring, and Mr. Augie follows behind. Can Esper... Get a glance of that second man. Like the state of him, does it seem worse, better, deeper signs of ether dependency? The bags under his eyes are obvious to you, and he looks like he has a thousand mile stare on. Looks far into the distance, almost walks like a zombie. Hmm. Westbrook won't say anything about it. She'll just follow Augie. You do so. And as you walk out onto the gangplank, you notice this first-class cabin was stunning. 
but building you're walking into, which seems to be only for first-class passengers, is even more so. A lounge, a velvet carpet, a massive wooden bar, an eloquent bartender behind it, and a pathway carved through the city streets that almost looks private, as if you wouldn't even have to intermingle with any of the other common folk to head all the way to the flyover. In the distance, you see a spire coming out of the ground. You know this beyond the walls of the city of Port Hillcrest that you're looking over at this height to be the Citadel. And the flyover, this ornate contraption of modern technology that carries cable cars across long distances to the Citadel and everywhere in between. As you step out into the gangplank, you also notice the second-class cabin starting to disembark as well. And you follow Mr. Augie and all of the nobles down this pathway. While that's happening, Trevor and Nihilus, there's a knock at the hatch to the room you're in. <laughs> Visitors. A long last. I'll get it. Help. Kind of groan and get up. Stretch out his back. Walk to the door. With a sigh, with a bit of a wince, before he goes and opens the door. Oh, hey, Trev. You see your good old friend, Ken, who you met very recently. He has a long grin on his face. Got yourself stuck? Would seem so. Yeah. A little stuck is a good word for it. Well, I'm here to collect. He steps back from the stairs, letting you come up from the hatch that you found yourself stuck in for two days. Alright. Nihilus. Uh, we can go. I'm on my way. Oh. And before Nihilus goes, uh, there's a small drawing uh, written on the floor which he made last second of uh, just a couple of words in common of thanks for the good luck. <sighs> and he proceeds to step out and uh, uh, friends... You too? Uh, I mean, sure. Let me out. Seems like an alright guy. But, uh, uh, I hope you don't think I'm rude if I ask what the hell took you so long. Doors just opened, Trev. Uh, look, I work for the boss. Up top. And, uh, we weren't allowed to leave our halls all the way until dock. Hmm. <laughs> Sure, they had their reasons. I ain't got the knowledge to question that, so I'm not gonna. So, I suppose I'll just be thankful that I'm out of there. <gasps> you say we're... Sorry, time kind of... Uh, ran how together. Long, how long has it been? Let's see, you, um... You followed down the captain's assistant about day and a half ago maybe a little bit more mm. 
We made good time back to shore, and that's really because of you. Power was diverted to the engines when the air system was working all right, and we made quick work of the rest of the trip. A lot of people are singing your praises. I made sure they knew the name Trevor. And uh, sorry, I didn't know yours, but I didn't even realize you got help, Trev. Well, I mean, I wasn't gonna, you know, do all the technical stuff myself. Couldn't have done it without. (laughs) Took the words right out of my mouth. Was a close call. Glad we did so together, Trevor. Also, I have a massive headache right now. And please, dear sir... uh, Ken. Oh, yes, yes, Ken. Uh, Sir Ken, have we arrived? Are we free to leave the ship? Of course. You have accommodations waiting for you. Compliments of the captain and all the crew. Because of everybody's disruption to their trip and plans, the fact that everybody's going to be staying here for many months more than expected, they've reopened the whaler. If you don't know it, it's a, an old hotel that closed down years ago when travel kind of stopped happening. All that just for little old us, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know where I'll be. And he points down to one of the crew's stairs to the cargo hold on the outside. Yep. Certainly. Good to have someone looking out for me. You head down towards the cargo hold. And you notice you have a clear view of everybody disembarking at the same time. Convenient, actually. If the dock comes off, you'll see her. Um, and while that's happening, Nihilus, you step off of the ship with the rest of the passengers. The crowds walk through the city of Port Hillcrest, through the streets, cobblestone, the lamps, magical, the buildings, all of slightly different era, but mostly about 40, 50 years old. And you find your way to a town square. In the center is an ornate marvel of technology, a clock, but not just anyone. Exposed gears around it, a little plaque on the bottom reading Centennial Clock. And just opposite of that, you see this stunning hotel. It's massive. It's got balconies all the way to the top, six levels, and incredibly wide. It can clearly hold very many people. And you see it is stifled with travelers and workers as this hotel is being brought back up to speed after years of not being used. As you walk inside, you find that it's almost shoulder to shoulder in the lobby, and it's going to be a long wait, but all the way ahead of you, you see Esper, accompanied by a co-traveler. Esper knows him as Mr. Augie. And Mm. in this room, as people are getting checked in, they're heading over to an auditorium to the side. Are you doing anything here? Nihilus is surrounded by all this chaos, all this, uh, this new environment, new smells, new sights, new people 
Yet somehow he seems very calm. It is as if the, the chaotic nature of having the rowdiness doesn't bear him that much of a mind. He's standing there politely, patiently, with a smile on his face, and he's particularly observing not just to the surroundings of the location, but to the, to the people. How do the others seem? Uh, clearly, there must be some frustrations going on, but the, the workers, the, the, the locals, how do they seem to, to react to what's going on? That's what his focus is at. How are the people doing? You see, it's frantic. It's hectic, to say the least. Um, there is an air of frustration and interest as the conversations around you seem to carry several sentiments. This concept of, I can't believe this trip is going to take months more than expected. I need to get back to my family and friends. I'm just here for a day of travel. How am I expected to stay here for months? I didn't even bring such and such belongings. At the meantime, there's another thread of conversation. Can you believe they've opened up the Whaler Hotel? I thought this place was condemned. I know this hasn't been used in 10 years. There is a general intrigue into just simply being here. Some even marking it as a historic occasion, a chance to relive the past as you hear a piano in the corner being played. Upon hearing that conversation, he does actually try to get in a step closer. Um, condemned, you say? Why might that be? Must have quite a history then. Uh, oh, uh, my father stayed here when... Oh, excuse me, father. Uh, yes, ten years ago, this building was condemned. Mishandling of this hotel or some drama among its management, but all I know is it ended with the disappearance of uh, its owner, proprietor. Do you happen to know the name of the previous owner? Do you remember? Yes. Uh, Harland Usher, I believe. Harland Usher, you say? Yes, and they found him in his suite, just at his desk. He wasn't disappeared, he... I think he had frozen to death. Anyway, it's all stories. <laughs> of course, of course. It does make for excellent background stories for the hotel itself, although I'm really sorry for stepping into the conversation. It seemed quite intriguing. Well, maybe uh, you can help with that, Father. I heard that the uh, fifth floor is haunted and none of the guests will be staying there. Maybe you can go perform an exorcism or something that you priestly men do. I will look into that. Thank you for that, sir. Uh, the name is Nihilus von Stonen. I'll be staying here for at least a little while. In the front of the line? All right, that's uh, Esperanza Boira. And your name was again? Mr. Augie, uh, I need a last name too, sir. Yes, um, Augie Meridian. Thank you. And, uh, you, miss, uh, you have your own room. Congratulations. Uh, no, we're supposed to be together. I, I have two rooms for you. It's completely up to you. He sighs, <sighs> looks over at Esper. Will that be a problem? Sorry, Don't I meant worry, to say, Augie. will you be a problem? I will be a peach. Great. I don't mind having my own room, actually. Sign us up. Yes. 101 and 102. 
with the two of you. Right next door. There's actually a door in between the two, so... Uh, Look at that! You can still keep tabs on me. Great. Um, oh, right. And he takes out a pack of six slow ether right in front of the clerk. Um, this is your supply for the week. Nihilus does spot it with his best intentions. Esper's hand will reach up and hesitate a moment before she snatches the dosage for the week away and stows it quickly into her bag. Now, uh, I don't gotta tell you to use one a day. That's all you get. You run out, you run out. It's not my problem. I like this, Aki. You don't trust me not to wander, but you trust me with the drugs. Just gotta get you to the doctor, and it's curtains from there. You'll be in a in the system, you'll have your own little room with a view, and uh, maybe they'll upgrade you to whatever noggin fogger doctor uh, you wanted to see. Do you know what my favorite time that we spend together is, Augie? Um, uh, it's when you're be? not talking. <laughs> he huffs, puffs his chest for a moment. I'll be in my room. And he turns and walks. Esper's <laughs> going to kind of spin on their heel. There's space now. They just got off of a ship. They seem content to kind of begin to wander and meander a little bit throughout the lobby. And as you do so, at the bottom of the ship, as you look up, your eyes meet with Dr. Glass, who looks down at the water below where you see her luggage floating. Oh, hey, you found it. Shit. You want me to go get it? Yes, Trevor. Go jump in the sea. No, leave it. Oh, Lords, I hope you weren't about to just go jump in the sea because I said so. Uh, I mean, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, let's... Let's stick with that answer. No, it's, it's all ruined, and I don't think there's anything that special in there to begin with. Which makes this the first curious thing we've encountered, isn't it? Uh, ye- yes? Could you tell me, uh, by any chance, how long was I unconscious? Uh, sh- should I be dead? Wait, what? Uh, you was uh, unconscious? I see you didn't miss me. I think we might have missed a step somewhere. No, I, I, I was, um, I was locked in a hole for like a day and a half. So I, I think I missed a couple things. Am I going to have to hire you a bodyguard, Trevor? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't. My bad, but we'll uh, we'll talk about such things later. I need to find some place to stay and some place to order some clothing and I need to figure out how to get down off of this blasted boat and she disappears from your view oh uh, well uh amen to that uh sure uh when you say disappear that just leaves in a normal or? human way that she w- walks away and <laughs> goes inside I- to get outside all right, sure. By the way, Wes, um, uh, so speaking of which, did I get the benefits of a heavy rest or just being unconscious locked in a room closet interfere with that? 
Oh, good, good thing you mentioned that. Uh, you should probably take a point of exhaustion. That no sounds like a no to being today. restful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take my bag, won't you? Uh, my my doctor's tote. I have a horrific headache. Right. And I'll take your other arm and see if we can get me to the whaler. Sure. At your command. I got you. (laughs) You make your way through the city streets to the whaler, getting in just as the crowds are starting to subside in the lobby. And you notice that there's an announcement. Please come to the auditorium as everybody begins shuffling their way. And as you enter, you find in one corner, Mr. Augie and Esper sitting at a table with several of the other attendees of the hotel. In another, a priestly man sitting at a table with a couple of empty chairs, a Nihilus von Stonen that you recognize, and standing at the head of the auditorium, a very, we'll put it as stern-looking woman. She looks like she tells people what to do for a living. Certainly looks the part. And she looks over the crowds, almost looking down on the room. And she begins, All of you here today are here because you were displaced by the saturation and unfortunate by the revent that has caused you to regrettably enjoy our wonderful city for months to come. I'm sorry that you end up having to be stuck here, but let me show you the bright side. You're staying in a hotel that's 50 years old, dates back to the early days of this island, back when it was a gold rush for broom, material you'll recognize well. It's in many of your highly forged equipments. This hotel has housed several of the most notable people in history. And today, for the first time in 10 years, it houses you all. A very large crew has worked together to get it ready for you. But there are some rules. One, dinner is at 9 p.m. sharp. If you're early, you've missed it. It ends at 10 p.m. The halls are to be kept clean. I realize it's not like you're all standard travelers. Many of you might not want to be here. This is your home now, and so you'll treat it as such. And most importantly, you never enter the fifth floor. She looks down at everybody's faces as they look at her. I repeat, the fifth floor is closed. It's been closed for renovations for 30 years, and it will continue to be closed. Other than that, my name is Maggie. I'm your maitre d', and please enjoy your stay. And as she says that, waiters come out bearing trays of charcuterie and drinks, almost like a orchestra of opulence. As an orchestra starts in the corner of the room, 
It's a good thing Trevor and Dr. Glass just got there and are standing in the back, because if Maggie had seen Isidore's eyes light up when she said, never enter the fifth floor, she would have been rightfully worried. Trevor is just kind of like overwhelmed, like sensory overload by everything that's happening. Sort of kneels down a little bit to kind of whisper in in her ear, just like, I think they're trying a little too hard, don't you? Yes, and good. It's about time someone tried too hard. Just kind of gives a shrug. Sure. But a point well taken. We should likely get out of here. I think we both want to not be conspicuous. Let's get... I suppose I have to get up six flights of stairs. Or, or five, depending if they do the lobby as the first floor or lobby as lobby. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but wow. I think we both need it's to be, be out hard. of sight for a bit. We can't be on the fifth floor, right? I mean, eventually we're going up. We're going to be on the fifth floor. If we're up on oh. the penthouse. It's maybe just a, maybe there's a door off the stairwell. You know what? That's smart. Yeah. Uh, Wesley, do I- lifts exist? Is there an elevator at the Whaler? As a matter of fact, there is an ornate brass decoration. It's hand-carved metals frame a massive door with a little clock on top that signifies each of the levels. Occasionally, you'll hear a ding from the lobby as it arrives on the first floor again to pick up another passenger. Shit, this shiny box is making my eyes hurt. And into the elevator they go. You do so. You head into the elevator towards your room, and in the meantime, in the room, you see Augie, Esper, as he's already on his fourth cocktail. He swigs it down, looks over. All right. Um, I'm gonna go to the room now. And, uh, you... Just don't get in. <laughs> I was just gonna say, uh, don't get in trouble, uh, Esper. Maybe a nap will help. I'm um, mind, mind my own, your business. <clears throat> Goodbye, Augie. He stands, pushing his chair out, swaying from side to side a little bit, and he stumbles away. I said, don't get in trouble. Turns around, almost making a fool of himself, pointing at you. No trouble. Esper just kind of like puts on one of those smiles. It's like kind of like the fuck you smile, but also doing nothing to necessarily bring attention about it. You look around the room and you see there's a little bit of a meet and greet cocktail situation. Nihilus is still at his table and is on the other side. You see as uh, the maitre d also sits politely on the edge of the stage, reading through some of her notes, being available, generally. Has Esper clocked Dr. Glass? She did, and you see her just walking out of the uh, auditorium here as you notice her. At the point where Esper realizes that Dr. Glass is leaving the room, she's going to hop off of her chair and, and kind of weave her way through people quite rapidly to try and catch up. Dr. Glass, just as you're walking into this beautiful metal box, uh, Esper runs in just behind you. 
Oh, you made it. There you are. Oh, hey. Hi, big man. You made it. Hey, little one. Uh, I, 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 she's going to do a quick, is there like a lift attendant or anything? Oh, great question. He looks, he looks down at you with a little towel over his arm. What floor will it be for you fine travelers this evening? Six for us, dear. Six, of course. Presses the button on the sixth floor. And the doors slowly begin to close until they shut and the elevator begins running. (laughs) When the elevator moves, uh, Trevor's hands instinctively go to his side. It's like, holy shit, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, Esper gives a wobble. Uh, So, uh, Esper, right? Uh, yes. Uh, you got a room here? Yes. Also on the sixth floor? No. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose that was kind of... That was kind of reserved for... We kind of got the special treatment because I got myself locked in a hole for a day. It locked you in a hole? I mean, it weren't no hole. There was like a door. Yeah, and like a... But there was a hole in the room that we went into. Uh, me and uh, the preacher guy, uh, Nihilus, uh, had a little talk. I mean, it weren't like I didn't have no company. Well, at least you had company when you were locked in a room. How did uh, how'd that thing go with the uh, sex pest, the, the guy tied up? You know, that's there's so much we have to discuss. Uh, and she looks at Esper and says... I'm not really one to shoot from the hip this way. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking at a... <laughs> I'm speaking at a turn. I didn't... I, I, Your floor, I, I'm sorry. As the doors open. We went up? Yes, you have arrived. The sixth floor for our noble habitants. As you enter the room, you see it's ornate. The floors are tile, each one alternating with a golden color. There's statues and a fountain in the center that spew a little water from its mouth into the basin. There's two massive doors, probably 10 feet tall each, that lead into two separate rooms that are equally well-equipped with running water, with each a private bathroom, and for yours, Dr. Glass, clothing. All fairly expensive-looking. Well, lovely. I just wonder who arranged it. But I am going to change immediately. Uh, give me a moment, Trevor. You, you hear the cane clack faster than you've ever heard it clack as she goes into her room and slams the door shut and gets into some clean clothes. I might take a look around, too. Uh, I don't know if they got clothes for me. Uh... Usually it's a son of a bitch to shop for clothes in my size. You're telling um, me. Yeah. Uh, but you know. just kind of like very awkwardly standing in the middle of this gigantic room doing like the uncomfy shuffle. Uh, I guess uh, Mikasa is Sukasa, so, uh, you know, just make yourself comfortable. Uh, I think I think they got people to clean up shit, so don't worry about making a mess or nothing. Dr. Glass pokes her head back in, uh, uh, 
She's found like a, a dressing gown. It looks very comfortable and she's in that. She says, oh, I remember the first thing I wanted to say. You, and she points at Esper. Do you have a gun on you? Where's the gun? Funny. Um, yeah. And she's gonna slug her pack off of her shoulder and shuffle around in it for a moment and eventually gun. Oh, heavens. I'd hoped you would have at least had the sense to throw it into the sea. All right, well, put it away no. and I'll <sighs> think about it after I change. Uh, uh, that's all right. As you were. And she goes back into her room. She's just a little cautious. You hold on to that, I guess. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with it. I, the bullets aren't in it. I took those out. I did. I, I knew that much. You know, we'll just good. address that. In a, we'll, we'll address that in a minute. What do you want to talk about? Locked in a room for like two days? Y- yeah. Yeah. No, I, it was a whole thing. Uh, they sent me down to like restart the generator. Um, I, I went out into the salt, uh, tried to have a rebreather. Turns out blew up halfway through. So, uh, <clears throat> we ended up going down into, into like this power room. Uh, weren't no exit or nothing. You know, I couldn't go back out into the salt for like couple days um luckily i had company i guess but uh i don't know just something seemed hinky about that whole thing i don't like how that sounds yeah i know i think i think you win i i i I didn't have a great two days either i was locked in my room oh but i didn't have to go outside ah yeah at least you had like a bed or something i just uh, you're locked in room i suppose it's the simple pleasures I bet you get a fancy bed here. I mean, yeah. Oh, this place is huge. But this uh, this is better than the first class. I don't know by a lot. This room is bigger than my old house. Um. Oh, yeah. Did you ever say anything about the dude who was... Uh, the, the Felix feller? Um. Is that the name of the guy? The guy... And Dr. Glass throws the doors back open. Ah, uh, yes, Felix, that's the guy. And she's wearing now, like, a silk caftan dress. It's far, like, looser and less structured than anything you've ever seen her in. She suddenly looks from an entirely different era, and she's found a bottle of champagne. She's drinking champagne from a coupe. She's got, like, a cigarillo that she goes and finds a table lighter and lights that and picks up. So we need to talk about Felix. Uh, which I would have loved to avoid, but, well, you both encountered him. And just as you say that, Nihilus, you're walking down the hall, and you hear, All right, sir, I understand that you too have greatly impressed the captain of her royal rose. We were informed about your upgrade. An upgrade? Of course. And here is your room. As a smile just magically appears on Nihilus' face uh, as he does hand five silver coins uh, towards Victor as a tip. He takes the five silver and he almost looks just slightly offended by the low amount. He puts it into his pocket and says, Thank you very much, sir. Your donation is appreciated. Hello. And he walks in just as Dr. Glass is saying, First things first. Obviously, Trevor, 
I have to fire you. For your own safety, I'm only getting you into trouble. Uh, I'll pay you through the month at least until we can get you back home. Um, I have been upgraded for my deeds that Trevor and I have done so together. Um, I was pointed towards this room. You mean this floor? Well, I suppose it's one and the same, yes. No, no. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of uh, thrown back by the previous conversation. But yeah, no, we're... This is our room too, I I guess. Uh, it's like... Well, we're all... Like one big sleepover. Um... Uh, you were positioned on the mezzanine floor? What's a mez- I heard correctly. Mez- mez- mezzanine? Oh, it's the middle floor between the... And Why the fuck don't you just say middle then? <laughs> I do apologize. The middle floor. I... I think I'm on... I don't know. Wherever 101 and 102 are. Right. I need more champagne. Who wants champagne? Uh, not for me right now. I'm filled up with carbonated aqua for the moment, but thank you. Your conversation's interrupted with a hammering down below in the floor below you, and it seems to continue. Dr. Glass perks up. Uh, hush, hush, everyone. That's, that's noise from the mysterious fifth floor that they've been renovating for 30 years. Wait, 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 I have an idea. And she uh, uh, hurries to her bag and gets out her echo light and uh, pops it out and turns it on to try to better hear what's going on below. She says to the others, I feel horrible. Uh, My head is already pounding and the hammer's not helping, so do me all a favor and, and lend me your ears and let me Let's all try and see if we hear anything interesting, shall we? Oh, you just said I was fired. I said I'm going to fire you. Okay, cool. Uh, and he's going to get down but, on the floor. You said we're buddies. Yeah, I, I kind of... I mean, I know you think I'm some kind of monster, but I, I hope you can at least listen to the hammering for me. Nah, you're not a monster. You're just a little, uh... Yeah, I'll just do the thing. Get down. But oh, it is quite fun to listen to hammering. I would like to unpack first uh, and explore a bit of the city, actually, in fact. Mm, all right. Don't, don't ask me for any favors then. Uh, and <laughs> Dr. Glass tries to see if she can hear anything interesting through the echo light. Roll perception with advantage. But disadvantage because I have a level of exhaustion, so it's flat. <laughs> uh, Trevor also has his, uh, basically has gone down. Supine is just like keeping his ear, whether or not that counts as assistance or his own check. And that's a nap. <laughs> uh, Trevor, you can also roll for a six. Yeah, this seems like a kind of a group activity sort of thing. So Esper, she got down as well. That's one from Trevor as well. Oh my gosh, look at you all go. Should Trevor roll with advantage? Here we go, or... Esper. Uh, you should be rolling with advantage, yes. Everybody who's near the echo light. That's an eight. Okay. I'm the only one wow. with in perception. And a big old seven. 
Okay. Hammering is loud. <laughs> hammering drowns the stuff out. You hear a hammering in the floor below. And it's pronounced. It doesn't stop. But you notice something else. The hammering continues and continues. It's as if the same spot even is being hammered. And then you hear a fleshy sound, like a slicing. It's... What was that? It's strange. If you've been to a butcher, you would hear chopping. But this feels like a carving, like a knife slowly pulling its way through meat. There is a story of emotions going across Esper's face, mostly done by the eyebrows as this sound pops up. Uh, oh, um, that, that don't sound right. That doesn't, like, I don't know many things, but I know that that's not a normal sound that comes with construction. Dr. Glass switches off the echo light. I mean, we were told not to go down there, so maybe we can just, like, I certainly it's gotta need, give it like a squinty face. I certainly need a. I'm in no shape to go investigating. I don't know if I'll be able to rest with that sound, though. Could we back up a little bit, though, first to the things that happened on the ship? Oh yes, uh, that man Felix is. Uh, uh, I suppose he's my nemesis. I don't know. It, when you're my age, sometimes you have a nemesis. It's a... A nemesis? Yes. Like a rifle? Uh, more like... No, I don't know what we're rivals for. Uh, sort of the situation, the kind of, it's the kind of relationship where I go, hmm, I wonder why he left me alive. That kind of thing. You have a relationship with the man, or hat. In the, Wait, he, in ca the, he caught In them? the general sense. We were... Hmm. <laughs> yes. We were friends once. I thought. Uh, and uh, then he... I don't know how much you want to know. But he's very dangerous, and I was looking for him. And he knows that. And I found him. Or he found me. And he's extremely powerful in many ways. And I went and assaulted him. Oh my well, first he, uh, the first day on the ship, he gave me a very clear warning that if I just left him alone, no one I cared about would die. And then I hit him in the back of the head with my cane a few days later. Oh my... To understand uh, the picture perfectly in clairvoyance, you had received a warning of this individual, then heard from the Esper over here about an intriguing situation in the room. I didn't realize to... it was his at first. Ah, I see. And the, 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 the whacking on the back of the head? Well, he was about to shoot Esper. Ah. We broke into well, his room to try and rescue the man tied in the chair. Were you successful? Uh, I was ready to hit him with a, a vase, but but Dr. Glass beat me to that, I guess, with a cane. Uh, the gun is his. And 
The man is now dead. No, no I saw him not even an hour ago. Neither man is dead. I don't know if I was trying to kill him. I just sort of did it. and But I didn't kill him. And then I woke up tied to a chair in some sort of closet. He spared your life in return. Perhaps. Well, maybe he's just trying to send a message. You know? Uh, maybe he wants you alive for some reason. Or, or maybe he's just toying with you. Uh, it's like a power play. There are all sorts of possibilities, and he could have killed me when he gave me this charming limp. But... And she trails off, but she doesn't say aloud as she's thinking of the... Because she doesn't want to explain what he did to her before she lost consciousness. But she remembers what he showed her about Abelard Cook's death. And she just remembers... She only saw what Felix said, but he re- it's clear that Abelard said something to Felix about her in his mind. That Felix said, Dr. Glass. And she wonders if that's something to do with it. And that disturbs her. She She's privately wondering why would Abelard, while fighting for his life, mention her to Felix? And what is Felix up to? First things first, do you, both of you, I suppose either three of you in this case, feel safe at the moment for your life? Do you still feel in danger? (laughs) No. Oh, what a question. (laughs) I'm trying to explain that you're all in terrible danger from being near me. And he specifically threatened people I care about. And he told me, Trevor... He laughed at the notion of you being able to protect me from him. And I think you all want to be not associated with me, is what I'm trying to suggest. And I will do what I can to help you all, even you, Nihilus, get where you need to be so that you can be safe. But I don't know how I can be safe right now. That's something that I need to work on and figure out. But I don't think any of you can help. And so your reaction is to fire your bodyguard. Yeah, I'm going to step in a little bit here, if it's all right with everyone else. I don't quite understand, you know, this might be some uh, higher thinking thing that I'm just not privy to. Um, But I don't understand why, in order to make yourself safe, one of the steps is to get rid of me. It's to make you safe. One of the steps is to get rid of you. So, let me get what I'm thinking out. Um, If that was to happen, something tells me that ain't none of us safe. And us getting out of this room ain't gonna change that. Now, there ain't no way that we can make ourselves safe, but there might be a way that we can make ourselves safer. And that's with numbers. This man, he was talking about how I can't protect you, but he had to take the time to isolate you, to get me out of the picture. Now, I'm not saying that I'm anything special or that this th- this guy is pushover. Certainly not. You, you, I mean, you're 
usually stone cold. And if this guy's got you shaken, then I got reason to be concerned. But I was brought in here for one reason, and that was to watch over you. I knew that, you know, bodyguarding ain't no desk job. It ain't no cakewalk. I know there's danger part of this. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like over the months we built up a kind of relationship, you know, just simply professional. But I come to respect you. So, if that's going to happen, maybe a little bit of respect back, you know. Maybe I can't take this guy, but I'm probably going to try because you still need protecting and I'm still your protector. By heavens divine, Trevor here is speaking clear crystal daylight. And if anything, from what I've discovered in our past few days, he is one that speaks true from the heart. Uh, who would I be to leave one in peril behind? I too shall offer my services, although I might not have the same skills or something as of Trevor. Um, it would not be me to leave a situation like this in dangerous hands of faith decided by another. I... Drink the numbers. I I don't really feel like I b belong in this conversation very much, but also I, I was there, I saw him, and it didn't feel good. That's why I ran, and I'm sorry that I ran. I told you to run. But... You, that's the right thing. I... I need you, kind of. I... You're my best ticket to get anything done. I'm not kicking anyone out right now. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm offering my services to get you what you need. I, th I think though that what they're trying to get at, and I just sort of jumped on the bandwagon for, is that they understand that you're in danger, and I guess we're all sort of telling you that we're also going to be here for you? Man, I just wanted to save some guy from being tied in a chair a few days ago. Wes, is it okay if I ask everyone to roll persuasion? Sure. Everybody please roll a persuasion check. Okay. Thirteen. And Trevor has advantage, I would say. Oh. Go Trevor. Because we actually know each other. <laughs> uh, that's a thirteen. Seven. She smiles at Trevor and pats him on the elbow and she sits down. And she says, aren't you all lovely? Trevor, do you remember how, uh, do you remember when I shared a skill of mine with you for the first time the other day? How well disgusted and angry you were? I don't, right, um... I don't recall I, being upset. I recall being upfront and blunt. I bring it up not to... I just want you to imagine that Felix is like that, but a hundred times more. And that what... I don't know exactly what he is. I know that I hid what I am, even from myself, for... 45 years because it is a bit scary and 
Felix is terrifying. And he... And after Esper ran away, he invaded my mind and showed me horrible things. And I don't think he's as human as I am. And she kind of purses her lips like, there I said it, and specifically does not look at Nihilus and maybe glances at Esper, but then straight back to Trevor. Well, uh, all right. I understand. Well, uh, that's what you think. I suppose that settles it. I'm absolutely not leaving your side. I think she wipes uh, her eye a little and wipes uh, she wipes her eye very quickly and she nods. Dr. Class. Yes, your, your holiness. Um, doesn't have to be that quite formal, but um, if I might suggest the, the topic of conversation, why are you here on Crow's Perch? Probably no point in uh, beating around that particular bush. I must have mentioned at some point that I have a, a guest lecturer appointment at, at Blackthorn University. That's It's very true. Uh, I'm researching Void Magic, and they have the, the, the finest resources that we know of there. There is, you won't be shocked to learn at this point, more to it than that. And I was already working on coming here there's there are other places past the wall that I'm hoping I can visit but it's so foolish and then I and then I found out that Felix would be here for some sort of going away party and I moved the trip up a, a bit early uh, the semester doesn't even start for a, a, a little bit I I hurried here to catch him because I hadn't been able to find him for almost a year and that's on top of the fool things that there are people like me on this island being held on this island and I want to find them I, see. I think that's everything but well, the good thing is you're not particularly pressed for time, meaning safety comes as a priority. As if I heard correctly, you came to Cruise Perch uh, together with your handler for the specific, for specific doctor, um, Dr. Nettle Pettifogger? Something like that. Pe Pettifogger, yeah. Uh, but I, I, ever since we boarded the Rose, I think... I think I made a mistake. How so? If you don't mind me asking, that is the... Well, well, she shared a lot, so I guess I, I, I guess I'm, I'm in this too. Uh, I, I, I was trying to get to Pettifogger so that I could get away from the doctors around my hometown. Uh, because I wanted to try and resume treatment for something. But the moment that we boarded the ship... My handler, fucking Augie, told me that there was a change in in the scheduling and that I couldn't just go to Pettifogger. I had to go 
Instead, he wants me to go to my old doctor. And that's... Uh, uh, I really don't want to go to my old doctor. And we landed ahead of schedule, didn't we? So they weren't waiting for you. I don't even know why Faust is here. He should be back on the mainland. Well, then if I might propose a proposition that Dr. Glass and Esper, um, perhaps you might have a mutual agreement, that is, uh, Esper, in her own way, could offer herself as a number for protection for the strength of you, Dr. Glass, and in return you can help Esper uh, with having a secured doctor's visit, having an extra head at the table for perfect clairvoyance. I'd be happy to help with your problems with this Felix guy. I think there might be something to this. Ever since we stepped on that boat, it's like we... The world we're coming into ain't the world we left. We're making enemies left and right. Some old, some new. These uh, Van Thorns, just they're on to me. We got mixed up with this Felix character. And they're straight up murderers. But Exactly. I'm so sorry to interrupt, Trevor, but, uh, uh, good Inquisitor, why are you here? A uh, hint of a smile appears on uh, under the, the, the mustache, a slight curvature on, that, on his lips and makes for a sneakily smile. Um, he turns um, and grabs um, a bottle of fine scotch that must presumably be on one of the tables in such a fine sweet as this. And he starts to pour himself just a small hint of a glass as he sits down and gets ready to explain. That is an interesting question, although it might be a bit of a story, I'll try to keep it short as I can. It is a bit of a combination of, I don't know yet, I exactly know what I should do. The moment the saturation hit is as if faith itself has shown me the way. I have been tasked in order to send those crows perch as indeed a messenger, an inquisitor, um, a forwards approach of the Lazarus Testimonium. If you're not familiar with the religion, we do try to spread our faith however we can to outside of the lands of Keenstone. Uh, also search for our holy book, the original Testimonium Veritas, which I carry with me. I seek to aid the island wherever I can. Show the benefits of the Lazarus Testimonium religion and I'm quickly learning from all the signs that I'm seeing left and right how I could do so. But uh, my main goal right now is to understand truly what is happening on this island. There are too many questions that are popping. Why is the saturation quickened? Why are these casual rumors of curses? Why is the city of Hill's Crest so famously closed off by its walls where it's not easily for one to get in and get out? It used to be a marvelous city of tourism. There's so many things that I've learned in a quick recussion. There's so many, so many questions on my mind, but that is for my personal purpose. Right now, I'm not sure yet. 
what my true purpose is here, but I seek to aid however I can. That is a truthful answer in it. Right now, with the group that I see before you, before myself, the, the three of you, the four of me, it feels like there's a, a purpose, a path that is being laid down. If it's by Lazarus's teachings himself, or some other strange phenomenon putting all the pieces together, I mean to find out. This is why I offer my aid as well, in the endeavor. And he takes a sip of his, his glass of scotch. Uh, I think that there is a danger going on, something creepily happening. And I want to put a stop to it before it's too late. This is just my intuition talking. But uh, please, don't take me too seriously. Sometimes I... Uh, Rumble about. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. Same. Uh, but... Doc, I know you for a bit, you know. We've, we've been... We've been working together for a few months now. You're so smart. Smarter than I can ever, like, even hope to be. Like, you say things, and like, I know there's like an... It's like a painter, you know? Making making a big big old uh, work of art. Well, those are very astute observations, Trevor. So don't put yourself down. Yeah, but you see, now we're in a spot where words are kind of not doing it. You know what I mean? Huh. You went up to this guy and he starts threatening people, and then you take it upon yourself to try and hit him over the head. And, well, I don't want to speak ill of you, but no one's good at everything. You know oh. what I'm saying? I can hardly string together a sentence, you know? And so this is going to be, in the future, a point where words are going to fade. And she hits Trevor <laughs> with her cane. You see, I didn't even feel that. She she picks up her cane and hits Trevor. Can I attack Trevor? <laughs> That's a free action unless you're trying to actually do damage. I mean, I would like him to feel the pain as though I did damage. <laughs> I'm trying to show him that it's a special cane and it is not just uh, what a woman with a strength of four swinging a regular cane would okay. feel like. Go ahead and roll damage. I presume Trevor would not contest it. Would that be accurate? He would contest it. Yeah, should I roll to hit? Then go ahead and roll to hit. Yeah. I would say with advantage because it's a surprise. It doesn't matter. 23. Yeah, it'll hit. And that's a 10 to hit. And I'm so tempted to use my last bardic to add psychic blade. This is a weird lesson you're teaching. As you smack uh, Trevor, uh, he takes, let's see, how much was it? 10... Ten points. It's kind of a lot uh, for he where we are. Drops to his knee. Well, I guess we don't have to worry about oh feelings my. if we're gonna beat up each other. Oh my goodness. Uh, what is the meaning of this? Trevor, I'm so I'm so Oh goodness, I am a monster. I'm, I'm so You're fine. I'm fine. Well Just... here, let me be a, an actual doctor instead of whatever I am. And she, now she grabs the healer's kit and patches him up. I'm, you're unfired and you, I'm giving you a raise. Just, and that guy didn't, he didn't take anything from that, huh? 
Uh, he was very angry, and he uh, almost tore my mind apart. So if you want to... Maybe we shouldn't get into... I had a point I was going to make, but I think I lost my train of thought. (laughs) You were saying we can't all be good at everything, and I took that to mean it was a damn fool thing for me to go around hitting anyone. You turned it into an argument you had to win, right? Well, that's usually what happens. I'm not really used to having anyone... Felix isn't the first friend who's turned against me. Uh, I'm not really used to... I'm used to having to prove myself the hard way, I suppose. To being underestimated. Right. Perhaps we should take a breather, step out of the the room, is what I might suggest. Not sure about you, but I don't plan to stay cooked up in the hotel room. As long as Augie keeps going with his drinks, I'm free as can be. I think, um... I think I'm going to take five. (laughs) I'm... Good. I just, uh, I haven't changed or anything, so, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a bath and, uh, get changed, and, uh, you can, you can go do your thing. If you do let her use the healer's kit on you, it's, uh, five HP back. I'll take that. He understands the regret. Nihilus is getting ready to step out of the hotel room. I think Esper will go with him. I think Doctor would know that uh, Trevor is actually very taken aback by the attack uh, and is crazy (laughs) by and the fact that it did that much damage to Trevor is almost shocking uh, in that how hard he seems to be taking it both physically and like he's surprised himself with how much he's hurting right now. Yeah, and Dr. Glass is left alone in the in the main room like looking at her supplies of healing you know, thinking about how that, that was what she was supposed to be and now look at the kinds of things she does and is just uh it's just it's hitting her that just a moment ago she had these people being like we're gonna help you we're a team we believe in you and then she immediately just destroyed it and this is like and there's some the voice in her head uh probably a parental voice somehow being like this is why you're always alone izzy because you do things like this i'll be okay uh i just need a second to clear my thoughts you can obviously you can you're good don't worry about it you can you can take care of yourself uh i just need to get cleaned up yes of course esper dear oh hello are you in a rush to get to your room i am in a rush to do anything but get to my room <laughs> Very well. I do mean to explore the hotel a bit. I 
I want to count how many rooms there are, how many different type of rooms. I want to get a better understanding of its history, especially with the intriguing fifth floor. I I understand what you're saying. Would you like to, to assist me in doing so? If you're not in a rush, that is. So long as you understand, if we see a slightly wobbly man in a white steward's coat, and if he seems to recognize me, we need to go in a different direction. You go down the stairwell and you see, besides the door on the sixth floor and the one you saw down on the first, the fifth looks a lot older. It's a wooden door, a little bit battered up, but it's been painted over a number of times on the outside to cover its age and its wear. And you said you're passing by and going down further? Um. Correct. Before we do, could Esper press an ear to that door and listen? Roll perception. Six. You continue hearing that hammering sound. And in between it, a fleshy, meat-cutting sound. And... You're almost jolted away from the door as you hear a metal slam across the fifth floor. I think her her face kind of twists up and contorts and becomes tight as she yanks her head away and then just stares at the door for a little while. But they're also quite easily persuaded to continue onward. Careful, my dear. A room has had the floors haunted. You... That's right, you didn't listen before. Go, put, put your ear to it. No, no, I'm quite all right. The rules stated clear, and we are not to enter the fifth floor. I didn't say enter it, I said listen. <laughs> I'm quite all right, my dear. Fine. Fine. Let's keep going. Let us. You're looking a bit pale, are you all right? There's weird sounds. It sounds weird. Something's... Uh, would you describe it to me? As he puts his hands behind his back and kind of, uh, kind of sometimes a priest would walk a bit upright and in a slow, casual walk, he walks next to you, listening intently. Have you ever been around somebody butchering a cow or a pig? Not many occasions, but of course, yes, every town has their own local butcher. Have you been close enough ever to hear the sound it makes when the butcher is tearing one muscle away from the other? That is a very particular sound. That is the kind of sound that I was hearing behind the door. <laughs> Maybe the ghost um, slicing up some uh, meat for a local festival to have, who knows? You certainly don't, because you didn't want to listen through the door. Certainly not, and it won't pique my interest. Why would it? It might end you in a path you do not wish to follow. That sounds like interesting advice, considering you can also tell the mess we seem to be. You can you can definitely tell that by the way how he's saying those words as well. Is he's trying to um, he's trying to comfort you a little bit by like um, how you would tell a, 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 sorry, a child's story tale um, bit of a distraction not completely through words it also 
seems to have sunk into Esper. Not at all. And while they're walking through the, the, the fourth floor, maybe even heading down as well, uh, Nihilus is counting every room and he has a little bit, uh, notebook as well. Uh, he's trying to see if he can even notice uh, differences on the floor, differences on the lobby. Um, are there? Is there more attraction, more busyness on some floors than others? He really wants to get a good feeding of the, the hotel as well. Like you mentioned, trying to put all the pieces together before being able to see the big picture. Hmm. Roll a general investigation check as you go through the hotel. For a total of 18. We'll come back to that. Uh, Trevor. Very well. You go into your room to freshen up and you walk in front of the mirror you see that little bruise that you just got? He just he catches himself in the mirror. He's he brings his hand up to his face. There's a slight little tremble there. He's kind of trying to justify it to himself what just happened there. Hit like that shouldn't have hurt him as much as it did. He just clenches his fist and realizes that he's in a place that is much too fancy to lash out in without it being noticed. He just kind of wipes his face a little bit. Just kind of give a little tug on his shirt. I don't... Whatever. He just feels useless right now. Looks at himself in the mirror with a scowl. The fuck happened? As you look in the mirror, you notice something strange. There's a, a blemish, a little black spot on the inside of your chin. Wasn't there yesterday? You kind of seeing that. Is it a familiar blemish? Is it indicative of other marks? You've seen moles, you've seen freckles, but this almost looks like somebody took a blot of ink and dabbed it on your face. It doesn't rub off, it, but it's very dark, like pitch black. You just slowly kind of getting a little closer to the mirror, just brings his hand up to his chin, just sort of like draws his hand, rubbing his chin, rubbing the spot. It just looks kind of puzzled at first. As you rub the spot, you notice it spreads along with your finger. <sighs> kind of backs up. He's going to look around, make sure the door is closed. He's going to throw off his coat, throw it onto the bed. And now he's just wearing a, a plain white tank top. Um, you can see all along his torso are these uh, heavy cloth bandages, uh, both covering some of his arms, uh, some, but predominantly uh, on his chest. And you can see uh, that even through the bandages uh, along the edges are some grayish splotches 
um, that the bandages are doing a poor job of covering up. He's just going to look along his body and see if there's any further spread. You see, especially around your chest area, it's almost like dark veins that when you look at them, they almost recede for a moment, bearing, you know, the view of your skin. And you hear almost in a whisper in the back of your head. Such brash foolishness you have to grapple with forces beyond your comprehension. Is the voice familiar? It's the voice of an old woman echoing from within your mind from a time a few years ago. Trevor is frozen. It's not like a communication. It's just like an echo of the past. Even with that, Trevor is frozen. He feels, for the first time in a very long time for Trevor, he feels the full pain that pulsates through his body. His eyes kind of like staring at himself in the mirror and see a single tear starts to run down his cheek that he quickly wipes away and he's just going to hands now quaking like a leaf reach uh, to his chest he's going to take off the tank top um, revealing just the bandages around his chest and he's just going to slowly bring down the uh, pull down the bandages not completely removing them but he just wants to check this this is such a new sensation and it seems to be hitting him so hard he just needs to make sure that at the very least there's nothing too noticeable you see the same dark grotesque void that's always been there However, you notice that the necrosis, the darkness of the skin of the flesh as it slowly begins to wither in all directions has spread just a little faster today than it did yesterday. And it's been like that for a little while now. Just as soon as he sees it, he pulls the bandages back up reaches into his backpack pulls out more bandages he's just gonna very slowly see whatever marks he's not gonna cover his face that would be too conspicuous he'll let that be visible but he's gonna whatever blotches he can find he's gonna cover with bandages just heavy breathing pull back on his shirt pull back on his jacket to cover up his arms I'll ask since um, when Esperanza uh, and Nihilus went down to check out the fifth floor, they heard that big uh, heavy metal slam. Would that reverberate through the sixth floor as well? It does, and I would say maybe just at this point is where you would hear it. A slam that reverberates through nearly the entire building. 
brings up, uh, he reaches for another bandage and he's just going to kind of wipe his eyes. He realizes with the sudden recollection of bad memories that he's just been crying. He just wipes his face, takes a deep breath. And with the rest of the bandages, he's going to start wrapping up his fists and just give a quick test on his hands, just punching his fists. I ain't dead yet. Let's go. And he's gonna give himself a quick smack in the face, stand up, and leave the room to go to the elevator and head to the fifth floor. As you step out, Nihilus, you've walked a good amount of these halls. The fourth floor, the third floor, the second floor, the first floor. You can tell it's been frantically put back together. The construction, the cleaning, the repairs, all still ongoing. There's staff that continue to paint the walls even in places. This was put together quickly, and although they've done a masterful job, it it still shows that it's being worked on. As you get down to the first floor, you find an office, a meeting room, as is typical in buildings of this this type of stature. And as you walk by, you recognize the voice of Maggie, and she seems to be addressing the room. Esper, you're there as well, and you can also hear this. And through the door you hear, Okay, B, Smythe, Lillian. That's three. Now, I'm also looking for Sam, who's not here. Emily, John, I see you. Where are the other two? John speaks up. They did as you asked. Maggie, they went to clean out the fifth floor for the guests. <sighs> the fifth floor, the fifth floor. Everybody's always talking about the fifth floor. Go get them. Um, I... I don't think I would want to do that, Maggie. I'll go myself if I have to. Is anybody else going to join me? B? No, ma'am. Roland? Look, I know what that place is rumored to be like. Cowards. All of you. I'm going to go myself and get them. The rest of you, you're going to stay here until they return. And you hear her in a huff stomp and walk to the edge of the door. I think I think at this point, Esper is going to grab Nihilus's, uh like the forearm area of whatever shirt he's wearing, and she's going to yank him to try and suggest that they walk forward. They leave that door. Then uh, the moment Esper t- tugs on him, on Nihilus, he, he understands what she's trying to do. He will accompany her in the, the basic movement, try to make it look like they weren't eavesdropping, eavesdropping, but trying to stay close. Enough. You see Maggie as she walks by towards the elevator. And you hear her say, Victor, fifth floor, please. The elevator door closes and begins to go up. As that happens... Nihilus 
on a quick manner, he grabs an item in his possession he's been meaning to try out so dearly. He grabs his Vox Brass communicator, his mechanical, cylindrical, expensive device, and he will twist and turn to uh, make the... Uh, device function and he will speak into the words and while he does so he his mind focuses on the room on the, on the sixth floor the 610 trying to reach if possible uh, both dr glass and trevor and speak into a message we should reavene at the floor something is about to happen uh, curiosity is speaking we could use assistance we're going up right now and he looks towards esper if she agrees yes or no after looking at the strange box that he had and hearing the message that he was trying to convey, there's a moment of shock and then slowly her head started to nod. With that, he casts message. Nihilus, you hear the elevator ding as the door opens and Victor is at the bottom with an empty elevator. Hello, sir. Are you still looking to get to the sixth floor? Yes, a rapid pace. Very well. And as you walk in, the elevator door closes and begins to rise. While in the elevator, he already gets out a few gold coins, three, in fact, and he already hands them to Victor. Thank you for understanding. I'm in a rush. And your message had said you were going to five and that we should meet you there, right? Correct. You able and to respond? It, it, Glass realizes she can respond. It says, we, I said not tonight. I can't. This is madness. You people don't listen to me about danger. I mean, it is quiet there now. I've, I'm, I'm listening, so it may be the best time. And then I don't know if Trevor walks into the room and she gets interrupted. I would say Trevor, you could make it up to this to the room. Uh, did Trevor get a message as well? I can't remember. Yes. Oh, fun for uh, Trevor. You would have gotten a response then. Uh, heard the bang. I'm already on my way. Don't send me another message. Only voice in my head should be mine. Just when he was about to receive that, he responded back. Please grab my shield from my bag as well. Turns around and starts rooting through Nihilus's bag. You see Dr. Glass on the couch where you left her looking at you. You're not going, are you, Trevor? This is... Well, there's very few things I'm good at, Doctor. This is something I'm good at. He's just rooting through the bag. You know why I should really fire you, Trevor? Because I care what happens to you. And that never turns out well. I appreciate the sentiment. And he just doesn't respond further. Just keeps looking until he finds the shield and pulls it out. You head out of the room. And just as you leave the door, you hear one more great big giant slam, followed by a scream in the floor below. And that is where we'll end today's session. The Stranger is brought to you by Roll for Impact. Dive deeper with behind-the-scenes content extra episodes, campaigns, and more by supporting us on Patreon. Hold a candle for us, because your support lights our way. New episodes every Friday.